loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here's Durant moving on Tucker. He turns, he shoots. Yes! Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association. This is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Welcome into another edition of Pick and Pod. I'm Chris Persiain, and here alongside Will Talent, virtually alongside Colin Lochran, my two guys here ready to break down all of the latest news across the association gonna get started locally talk a little Knicks and Nets gonna head out west talk a little bit about uh Steph Curry and LeBron James's teams because those are actually struggling right now you know a little bit of a little bit of a a surprise put it that way something different yeah and uh and then I have a question that I want to throw around for everyone to answer including myself so excited for this before we get into it how you guys doing Colin I know you're at home well you're here alongside me in our studios what's going on well, you know, yeah, Chris, I, go ahead, Colin. Go ahead. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, I'm I'm hanging in here. Lots of good basketball going on on the hardwood. Obviously, not a great situation for the Nets against the Sacramento Kings. That game was like an all star game on steroids, given the fact that there was no defense in that sense. Definitely not a whole lot of all star talent out there, but oof, just not the prettiest basketball to watch. The Knicks kind of in that weird in-between. A lot to get into. Excited to do it with you both. Likewise, guys. A lot of a lot of good basketball, a lot of mediocre basketball and subpar basketball for our local teams so far this season. The Nets, that's a big dumpster fire. I, I don't really have any other words to describe it. We'll unpack it for sure. And the Knicks, just pretty straight-up mediocre. A big road trip, big W yesterday against the Jazz, a team that has definitely been a big surprise this season, but I'm happy to chop it up with you guys, two guys that I know that uh, know how to talk ball really well. Well, let's get things started. I think uh, I think you got to start locally with the Nets of Brooklyn, and that's because of some comments that one Mr. Kevin Durant made this morning. Um, I'm going to cut right to, the, right to the chase here. I'm not going to dress up what he said in any regard. I, I think it's just he said that nobody on the team or in the organization was on the same vibe as him, um, but that now new head coach Jacques Vaughn is. So whatever that means, you know, they're on the same vibe now. Um, so he requested a trade. Now he has a coach that's on the same vibe as him, so he no longer wants a trade. So that's big news for them. <laughs> He also said something else, and it reminded me of something Kyrie Irving said about three years back. He said, um, "He said I don't want players to look at us and say, oh, you know, these, these guys are, are full of crap. It's not the kind of team I want to be on. We're all playing poorly, and you all know who the one person they're going to look at is. So real team mentality there. Uh, and he said, look at our starting lineup. He then proceeded to name them Edmund Sumner. Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, and myself. It's not disrespect, and then he proceeded to disrespect them. But what are you expecting from that group? You expect us to win because I'm out there. If you're watching from that lens, you're expecting us to play well because number seven 
is out there. This is not only a very abnormal way to talk about yourself, but it's a very weird way to be a teammate. What, what do you guys think about this? I'm tossing it right to you. Well, Chris, I um, it was a very, um, I, I guess you could say a very Kevin Durant thing to say at this point. There is, did you see the the extended part of what he said? Unfortunately. I, just, I saw an article, came out about two hours ago. It was about their preparation. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to buy it right now, especially after what you just read. It, it's all about him. This summer, it was all about him. It was all about what he can do and what he should have the power to do. It's, um, it's, it's ludicrous. It's why the Nets are the way that they are. When you have a guy that's so centered around his ability and what he can provide and how good he is, you're never going to win. And yes, is that is that starting lineup good? No. But as that kind of star and that kind of player on that team, how can you possibly expect them to be any better than what they are if the star player, the leader, so to say, I don't even know if you can call him a leader, talks about his own team that way? I just don't get it. Brooklyn is not headed in the right direction. The whole Kyrie Irving situation is just unbelievable. It was, it was um, definitely when they signed both of them, they got two of the biggest personalities in the NBA. They they looked well. They looked they played well together, but they just they can't. Their personalities are just too great for the game. I don't love Durant's comments, but I do understand them, given the fact it is coming from Kevin Durant. I think the one thing about him that's become apparent since he left Golden State is that it's not necessarily about championships anymore. He's definitely the type of dude that just wants to go out there and hoop. He said that multiple times over the summer when he requested that trade initially. Has said it multiple times since even Vaughn took over in Nash's absence. He's just not someone that's ring-chasing necessarily anymore. That doesn't make what he said the best thing in the world to hear. I mean, anytime you're talking this way about your teammates, you don't love to hear that from a leadership standpoint, but I don't know if he's made the obvious connection yet that when you say that, people are going to take it as a leader is not guiding the ship, so to speak. In Durant's mind, he doesn't want to have to be that leader. And unfortunately for him, talent dictates you're supposed to be that guy, especially when it's not going to be Kyrie Irving. He's not even playing right now. Lord knows when he'll come back, hopefully for the Nets, that is soon. But this notion that the Nets can't at least compete with what they have out there is, is wrong. They could make a push for the playoffs if the defense was anywhere near substantial. I mean, you can't give up 150 points in an NBA game and expect to win said game. So I look at the comments Durant made. They're not necessarily wrong, but through the other side of that coin, you don't love to hear them. And quite frankly, there's still that chance that Brooklyn can compete with what they have. I'm still waiting on health to help them. Joe Harris is not 100%. He hasn't been 100% since early in the 2020-21 season. And we haven't seen T.J. Warren do anything. I thought that was a piece they brought in that would at least help them in, you know, in terms of perimeter shooting space and things like that. Until we see the full-fledged Nets with some help, I- I'm not going to make a judgment. The guy I feel bad for in Durant's little assessment there is Nick Claxton. He's been playing very well this season, especially considering where he was last year. So I just think we're reading a lot into Durant's comments, as we should, but he's definitely not the type of guy that's going to run away from controversy. 
Yeah, well, all right. I, I get what you're saying, right? If, you, if you're saying that there's no, you know, championship aspiration, he just actually wants to get a team on the court. And uh, then why would he say in this same interview that he had complaints in the summer and they weren't about him, but that they were about how the team moves as a unit because he wants them to be respected in the basketball world? He said it wasn't difficult at all to request a trade. Uh, because it was about basketball, he went to them and said, "I don't like how we're preparing. I don't like sh- I don't like shootarounds. I like practices. I need more. I want to work on more stuff. Hold me accountable." It wasn't like, "Yo, y'all need to make sure everyone around me can make my life easier. I want to make everyone else's life easier." So, what is he talking about? If he if you're saying he doesn't want to win a championship, he just wants to compete but not win. He wants to just be respected. Is is what he's fine with? I'm I think not- he wants to win. But I don't think that's. I don't think it's the same thing as like how we consider Jordan or LeBron. Like I think Durant is okay if he's on a decent team that comes close. I just think he wants the club around him to put the best foot forward. And you know, I, I don't know if that's 100% true about the complaints he's had. I have my suspicions about that. But if that is the case, then it sounds like he just wanted a little bit more effort on the defensive side of the ball, which is a fair criticism. That was the the, the gripe about the Nets. For the last two years. Right. So then over the offseason when he requested a trade, the two teams he has to go to were, were the number one seed in each conference. Um, three years ago, Kyrie Irving said, collectively, I feel like we have great pieces, but it's pretty glaring we need one more piece or two more pieces that will complement myself, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan, Garrett Temple, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Karis LeVert and that they'll see how that evolves. It's three years later. We know who the guys pulling the strings and making the moves behind the scenes are, and now Kevin Durant has the same comment three seasons later that they don't have enough help between him, and, and he now he counts Kyrie as part of the not enough help. Um, it's just what what is going to be enough for these guys? Well, you know, Kevin Durant went to what was the most winning franchise in NBA history and won two championships there. That wasn't enough for him. He wanted to go get his own team. He's done that. He's built his own roster over the course of several seasons. And the complaint every single season, no matter who the all-star is that they acquire, is that they don't have enough help. When is the question going to be, are these guys enough? Can you build around these guys? Because I feel like it's been everyone else's fault but theirs so far. And I just think it's unfair to people like Jared Allen, who Kyrie Irving directly said was not enough help, and who then went on to be an all-star for the Cleveland Cavaliers, who today are probably better than these Brooklyn Nets. They're 100% better than these Brooklyn Nets. They're, 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 there's no probably there. They had the pieces. They had the pieces, but that's what happens when you want to bring in these two stars like this. And i got to bring it up again because this is just how they are. When you have personalities like these two players, it's going to be very hard to win. Then you throw James Harden into that conversation. They were very good together, but... These are the kinds of personalities that are they're just not going to all work well together. Whether it's just the three of them or it's the whole unit. The just the three of them was fine, but then you have to use the whole team and it just it's not working out. There's too much there's too much centered around Kevin Durant. Now, obviously he is that guy. He is the star player. The team is going to be centered around him, but they tore it down for them so they could win right now. And honestly, I think the best move for him is to at the at the end of the season or whenever it is, whenever it's time for him to uh, look elsewhere for new contracts. 
I, I think it may be time to leave because this is just not working out. It hasn't worked out one bit. It hasn't gotten close to working out in Brooklyn. So it, it may just be best for the Nets to say, hey, uh, this is just this is getting out of hand. This is getting out of hand. We're going nowhere. We've gone nowhere. And they're going nowhere fast. You look at the four years there in Brooklyn. I'll turn to an expert in Charles Barkley. Uh, he said, it's so amazing about basketball. This team has been together for four years, and when they were there four years ago, everyone was like, oh, they're going to win a couple championships. They're not even close to one, and it's almost over. And I think almost over, it is indeed. Um, yeah. It, it just it hasn't been working out. So, you know, if any of these Brooklyn Nets members can go find success somewhere else, it will effectively shift the blame off of them but it feels like everyone that's leaving Brooklyn is finding success somewhere else except for maybe James Harden who you could argue uh is just getting up there in age yeah. and doesn't have that first step yep like he used to speaking of someone not having that athletic step like they used to I, I want to take things cross town here because the Brooklyn Nets really I think are who I'd love to hand the mic to now and, and let them defend themselves here on Pick and Pod and say we're going to turn things around, but they can't do that. They can't appear on the show, so we're going to let them prove it on the court, and we'll be back, as always, checking on these nets over in Brooklyn. I want to take things a little bit uptown to 34th. Let's talk about the New York Knicks. Evan Fournier, veteran swingman sharpshooter. Clearly this season doesn't have the lift he used to, whether it's on his shots that are coming up a little short now or even on his defense, which already was a weak point for him. Um, well, it's not like it's been any better this season. Uh, he's out of the rotation completely, it seems, as is Quentin Grimes. Now, do I think Grimes will be permanently out of the rotation? No, I think um, the Knicks might be dressing up Fournier being out of the rotation and, and just trying to move him in a trade then bring back Grimes. I feel like that makes sense. They don't want to admit that they're just benching their big signing from recently. So they're benching a player everyone knows they like as well. So people can say, oh, well, they're just going with a nine-man rotation because Thibodeau wants to. It's nothing about the players. Uh, they just don't have room for Fournier anymore, and maybe someone will trade for him. I think Grimes will be back in the rotation. It seems like Cam Reddish will be a mainstay, someone who's made the rotation. Uh Colin, I'll start with you this time. It, it, Tom Thibodeau's been hinting at changes, you know, before almost every game. He has a running joke with reporters that there could be a change, and he says it just about every game now. What do you make of these recent changes for New York taking two shooters in Fournier and Grimes out of the rotation? Thibodeau citing rhythm a lot. Um, we know the team really needs defense. Fournier, not so great at that. Grimes, very great at that. Personally, I was surprised they didn't try him once against Shea Gilgis-Alexander uh, when he scored 37 points in a win against New York. What, what do you think of these decisions by head coach Tom Thibodeau, these tinkerings in the formula that is his rotation? Well, specifically on the, the Grimes point, I don't love the fact that he's not playing, especially as a young player given where the Knicks are, where they're a fringe playing team. I would really like to see Grimes getting that on-court experience just to help them in the best way he can at this given time, especially considering the guy can shoot from three. He can play defense. The Knicks need both defense and shooting. So while I understand Thibodeau's trying to maybe change things up here and there, I don't know if this is the right move necessarily because heading into the season, one of the things that was talked about 
was that A, the Knicks needed to have really solid three-point shooting to compete, especially in the Eastern Conference that is full of it. I mean, look at teams like Boston, Miami. They can shoot the lights out of the gym any given night. New York, not necessarily on paper, but you have some guys that can shoot threes from time to time. Grimes being one of them. Fournier, if he can get in rhythm, Thibodeau using the word rhythm, Fournier is definitely a guy that needs to get in rhythm, but I digress. You need to maximize what you have. I'm not sure getting Grimes out of that rotation does that. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I I think we were talking about talking about it yesterday, Chris, there has to be a way that they can find a package to get Fournier out of here and, and maybe Rose too, because I want to see Grimes playing as a fan. I want to see Quentin Grimes playing. I need him on this court. They have a very solid core. We've been talking about this for an entire year now. You look at quickly, you look at Obi, you throw Grimes in there, maybe Deuce McBride. That's questionable, but I like Deuce too. They have pieces. They have pieces. Let these kids play. They're never going to blossom into the team that we want them to be if they're young talent that has been drafted very well over the last few years under Leon Rose is just stashed on the bench for veterans who Fournier, he wasn't awful, but the contract is not it's it's not adding up to what they want him to be. He's he's not he's shooting 33% from the 3. 34% from the field. I just I, I want to see more of Quentin Grimes. I want to see this kind of rotation with him and Quickly and Obi. I want to see it. These are guys that were drafted in the first round for a reason. Why why are they not playing? And that could add to our next discussion with Tibbs and coaches. You may hear my answer shortly. Well, listen, to your point about Quentin Grimes, I have the advanced lineup data in front of me here. Um, Brunson and Quickly and, and Colin, I'm sure you'd agree, those two look good together when they play, right? Quickly, 6'3", with a 6'9", wingspan, has the length to make up for Brunson's lack of size on the defensive end, does a good job of covering that first action of the opposing offense, that point-of-attack defense. If you look at the three-man lineup of Jalen Brunson, Emmanuel Quickly, and Quentin Grimes, as they've shared the court together this season, you know, two guys in Grimes and Quickly that are good on offense and could cover up defensively, for Jalen Brunson, how many minutes do you guys think those three have shared the court during this Oof. season? Let's get a let's get a quick guess from both of you. Brunson, quickly Grimes. How many minutes have those three played together? Collectively? Can't be much. As a trio. How many minutes has that trio spent on the court this entire season? I would say maybe seven minutes. I'm gonna be a little bit more generous. I'll go like twelve and fourteen. You were both too generous. It's five. And wow. in, those, in those five minutes, the team has had a 137 offensive rating and a 56 defensive rating. That's a, net, that's a net rating of 82. So I know it's a small sample size, but that's ludicrous. If you up that minutes requirement, I, I filtered out all the lineups that really haven't touched the court at all. You look at Barrett Reddish, the two Duke wings, and Obi Toppin. Okay, that sounds like a trio of young players that are all important to the Knicks. Reddish in a contract year, Barrett off an extension, Toppin, someone they value highly on a rookie scale deal. 22 minutes together this season for that trio. They've got a 37 net rating in those 22 minutes. These groups of these young players that Knicks fans know are good are getting on the court together and legitimately dominating their minutes on both ends of the court. 
And the team sees this and they're like, we're not going to do that ever again. <laughs> there were not enough <laughs> veterans involved in that situation. Let's never do that again. If you take that minute requirement, and I'll be done with the stats after this, I promise, you up it to 30, and you take a look at some of the three-man lineups in the top of net rating. You got Brunson, Toppin, Hartenstein. Brunson, quickly, Hartenstein. <laughs> you know, you've got Brunson, Reddish, Toppin. You've got Rose, quickly, Barrett. Brunson, quickly, Toppin. Brunson, quickly, Barrett. Are you noticing the common denominators here? It's a lot of the guys that don't play together on the basketball court. Now, these trios I named have 40, 50, 60 minutes together this season. The sample size is much bigger, and the net ratings are all from 22 to 38. These are good lineups that are not getting any run together because they do not fit what the Knicks head coach has deemed the requirement for his lineups that are going to be on the court. They need a traditional rim protector, and certain players on the Knicks are only allowed to play certain roles. And in trying to make these players fit into these roles, the team is completely ignoring what they're actually good at. Now, Evan Fournier getting removed from the rotation to me shows a sign that the team is at least looking into the advanced lineup data. The team is at least making adjustments based off of it, removing players that they see as potentially poisonous, you know, to not only um, their lineups, but, you know, other lines. I just, I, they're making changes, sure. I'd like to see them stick. I'd like to see them stick once Mitchell Robinson is healthy again. I'd like to see the small ball continue to get a shot even when there are two rim protectors back. Because you know what Thibodeau has done instead of giving small ball a shot? He's called the third rim protector, the third string guy, up to be a starter in Jericho Sims. He's never going to change, right? And if you know this, then I think that is going to come up in our discussion later, as, as Will was saying. What do you guys make of some of these lineup combinations I was talking about? Are there any combinations of players you really want to see get a shot for the orange and blue? Colin, I'll start well, with Chris, you. Chris, obviously I'm not there, but I'm picturing you with a full setup in the studio right now, chalkboard out and all, explaining everyone where Thibodeau's gone wrong. Good job on the stats background. I'm going to go with a really kind of blandish answer, but I think it's a true answer because it fits the type of play style that most Knicks fans, I would say, you can correct me if I'm wrong, want this team to eventually play. Give me more of quickly and topping together and find a way to mix somebody like a Hartenstein and Reddish in there when need be. I know on paper that sounds like a confusing combo, but let's be honest, quickly and topping have that connection. Add someone like a Reddish or a Hartenstein that can give you a little bit of range from the perimeter as well as some some, in quotes, grit in the inside of the paint when necessary. Obviously, Reddish has a little bit more of an asterisk there than someone like a Hartenstein who's proven he can be good in the paint. I would like to see those three just get a crack together as a combination. I'm not sure it will ever happen, but doing the very little math I did in coming up with that trio, I can figure out just based on the different body types of the players, that's something that would make for some exciting basketball. I mean, just look at how the momentum of the game can change when someone like a Hartenstein makes a big play or when quickly gets a, a sweet alley-oop to top. And things like that matter over the course of a game. Basketball is a game of runs. Those players, in my mind, are the type of guys that can get runs started. Are they necessarily going to sustain them for long stretches? No, but they're energy players that can at least get the ball rolling. Well, Colin, listen, the three-man lineup of Quickly, Toppin, Hartenstein has shared the the court for 134 minutes 
this season across 13 games. They have a net rating of 17 and a half. So that's a good lineup. It's one of the Knicks' best. If you filter out any lineups that have played under 30 minutes together this season, uh, that is in the top 10 of lineups and net rating. And if you filter out lineups that are play, that have played less than 50, it's in the top seven, top six. So it's a good lineup. It's one of the Knicks' best this season. I think you're right to, to shout it out. Will, what about you? I, I kind of agree with Colin here. I would say a little less of Cam Reddish, but I, I that, that came off a little, little wrong there. Keep Cam Reddish the same. I want to see a little more of Quickly and Obi, but Reddish has gotten 33 minutes in back-to-back games, 26 points against Oklahoma City, and then 19 against Utah. He's obviously... He's he's catching a stride. He had a, that that game against OKC had to be a career game for him. It, it was it was one of the better games that he's played, the especially for the Knicks. Um, I do agree with you though, Colin. I think Obi and Quickly really really need to be on the court at the same time, maybe all the time, with each other. They're just so they're very exciting. They and you said it too, Colin. They have that connection. They already have that chemistry. They have it built. I don't know why um, Tom Thibodeau is not utilizing it as much as he would like, or as much as he should. Um, there's just there's a lot there's a lot of question marks with what they should do. I really I really can't zero in on what would be the most ideal. I'll, all I can say is that I like the role that Cam Reddish has been given because in the last two games he's really shown that he can handle that load. And you throw in quickly, you throw in top in, and like I said before, I personally want to see some more Grimes. I want to see some more Quentin Grimes, but um, yeah, keep Cam Reddish the same. Throw quickly in there, maybe at the two, have Brunson at the one. Maybe you can't really run Julius at the five. You can, but they they won't. They yeah. they won't. I would because what I would like to see is Brunson quickly Barrett top in Julius, but I know that won't happen. So someone's someone's gonna have to give. Um, all I can really say is give me more quickly and Obi minutes, and I see this team being a lot more competitive. All right. Well, that is that on the New York Knicks. Uh, I think we did a good job talking some local hoops there. Let's head out west. There are two teams in the Clippers and the Sacramento Kings that are pretty mediocre to start the season. Kawhi Leonard in and out of the lineup. Um, the Kings seem to be getting on a stride. I'm going to let both of these teams, I'm going to let them have some time to figure things out. Um, but there are two teams that I'd like to talk about right about now. And and the first is the six and eight Golden State Warriors. Definitely not the start they were looking for as the incumbent champions of the league, I would say. The other team I'd like to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, the Lakers, um, not exactly doing the hottest either. Uh, you know, they, they just beat the Brooklyn Nets, so they'll, they'll take that. But, uh, again, as we said earlier, not exactly the biggest of feats thus far this year. The Lakers are 3-10. and 10. That's bad. Um, I, I'm not sure where you guys want to start, but I know the Warriors do play the Knicks, Friday, the 18th at 10 p.m., a couple couple days here. So maybe we'll start in Golden State, who just made a roster move. They sent James Wiseman down to the G League, and it's going to be an extended stint for the young center there. 
Warriors coach Steve Kerr said the stint could last up to 10 consecutive days. Wow. So this is not a little, you know, dip and drop in the G League, let him get some dunks and threes off and then scoop him right back up for next game. No, this is more along the lines of a Jordan Poole where the Warriors have a prospect that they selected because they like that prospect. Um, and that prospect is playing really poorly at the NBA level. They think he could benefit from, frankly, some extended time against easier competition. Uh, get a sense of what he wants to do out there on the court, how he can contribute, start on easy mode, and then come back to the NBA and, and get back. Um, this leads me right into my notes on the Warriors, and, and this is going to be my take that you guys can challenge or agree with or you know, say I'm right for the wrong reasons, whatever it is. I think the Warriors are going to be more than fine. And the reason I say that is because Wiseman seems to be out of this rotation. If you look at the Golden State Warriors lineups, this guy is such a single-handed tank on what they're doing. Their last game, okay, last game the Golden State Warriors played, was a 132 to 95 win against the San Antonio Spurs. Wiseman played 9 minutes. He had 2 2 and 2. When you look at the plus minuses from this game, literally every warrior has like a comically positive plus minus. I'm talking I mean, listen, they won a game by 37 points. Yeah, you know, more. That's a lot going on. Um Every Warrior had a plus-minus, plus-28, plus-16, plus-32, whatever it was. James Wiseman, a minus-12 in his, like, nine minutes. This guy is so bad right now. Right now, he's very bad. And I think it's good of the Golden State Warriors to not be embarrassed to send him to Santa Cruz to get these reps. But I also do think it's objectively good for their team on the court right now. I see them being much better. Uh, over the foreseeable future, they're just going to be forced to play faster and smarter basketball, losing a traditional big in Wiseman, lean on guys maybe like Anthony Lamb a little more on the wing. Will, I'll start with you this time, and, and, and then we'll go to Colin. What do you think about this move for the Warriors for the number two overall pick in, in a recent draft? And do you think they get back on track, or you think they stay a little off the beaten path? And I'll ask the same question for you guys with the Lakers. But start with you, Will, on Golden State. Well, now I have a few comments on this, Chris, and they're very—they're not too far off from what you said. From the from the beginning of the show, I knew we were going to talk about Warriors, um, and from the get-go, we said there was trouble in Cali. I didn't really think there would be an issue with this Golden State team. At all. Right now, it's still it's still very early. I think this team is easily going to get back on track and become a top three seed in the Western Conference without a doubt. Everything's going to start to fold into place. You look at the Utah Jazz, they're not going to stay up there for that long. It's a great, very fun story to tell. It's a nice surprise. It's not going to happen. They're, when you come back to me in April and you tell me that the Utah Jazz are the fourth seed in the West, yeah, maybe I'll be like, oh, wow, that actually happened. But it's not. So I, I don't really have any panic mode whatsoever for the Golden State Warriors. Now, the James Wiseman thing is very, very um, concerning. More concerning than I think, uh, to me, than I think you described, Chris. So you bring up the plus minuses. He's only had two games this season where he's had a positive plus minus. That, that's horrible. So obviously sending him to Santa Cruz is going to make the lineup better. That Mathematically, that's what's just going to happen. However... Yes, did they just win a fourth ring a year removed from their big dynasty? They were so bad. 
Curry was hurt, Clay was hurt, that they got that second overall pick. We understand that this was a dynasty, and it still is a dynasty. It was probably the greatest of our generation in terms of dynasties for sports. If you want to count the Patriots, you can, but that it started way before. So you look at a second overall pick. Now, this could seriously hurt the championship longevity for Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson because that second overall pick could have been a very pivotal and vital piece to what could have what could be a fifth, a sixth championship for these three. And I don't see it happening because they're lacking they're lacking with James Wiseman. They really missed on this pick right now. He's still young. He still has time to correct himself, but a second overall pick not too long ago, still going from the G League with small stints, with large large stints, really not being a factor on this team whatsoever. We could we could throw out there that like one of the bigger busts that we've seen in this decade so far over the last six sure, years. Sure, but, but here's my question. I, sure. I'm going to throw this right at you midpoint. Sure. Does it matter this much? No, because this team is going to be good. I'm just Who, saying. Can in, I ask the season last year, 82 regular season games played. Wiseman did not look good during them. They were um, fine. Then Obviously. the NBA playoffs started. Who won the whole thing? The Warriors. The, the Golden State Warriors <laughs> took, exactly. took home the Larry O'Brien. I'm not sure this really matters. I, I, I think could this have been even better? What if they took Obi Toppin, number two overall? Someone who could play off of Steph Curry's gravity, play with Draymond Green in small ball lineups, right? That could have been a good pick. Desmond Bain, Tyrese Halliburton, LaMelo Ball. But they won last year. Maybe, yeah, they did. They have won in less games, maybe. But does it? Does it matter? No, right now it doesn't matter, obviously, because they hoisted that fourth trophy. I'm saying once Curry gets to, and and Clay and Draymond, once they get to a certain age, because right now they could still hoop. They could still hoop. But there's going to be a time where Steph Curry is going to be 38, 39 years old. Is he going to have that same spark, that same, he's obviously going to be a great shooter. But are they going to be able to compete for championships like they are right now? Is it going to stay at four? Maybe I'm saying that if they use this Wiseman pick a little differently, their window for winning could be even more open than it is right now. I know they just won last year, obviously, but what I'm saying is that that second overall pick is valuable and they could have added another piece to continue to push forward until Curry and Clay and Draymond just cannot play basketball anymore. I think the window is still very much open. I, I agree with you, Will. The second pick could have made a difference had you used it differently. With that being said, I'm not concerned at all about this team right now. I think this is common for championship teams, even ones that are considered dynasties. When I mean, you look at even you know what is considered now ancient teams, the 80s Celtics and Lakers, there were times where those teams sputtered out of the gate the year after a championship. Same deal with the Celtics after beating the Lakers in 08, 09. They started that season really kind of harshly. It was not a pretty beginning. But when you have a core in place, right, you have Steph, Draymond, Clay, you have a young and up-and-comer pool who's going to lead into that next generation, you're going to be okay for this season. I think they'll be fine. In terms of longevity and things like that, I don't know if that's necessarily the priority. 
for that unit or that front office right now. I think they're concerned about maximizing what is there in front of them. And part of sending James Wiseman down to the G League for an extended stay is just that, in that he could return later this year, closer to a playoff run and serve as that rim protector at some point and be what they thought he was going to be. Even beyond that, though, you have guys who proved they could do kind of similar things. It's not the same prototype as a Wiseman. Kaminga comes to mind in that sense. But this team will have enough to compete for a championship this year. I'd argue as long as everyone's healthy, that will be the case again next year. In terms of winning, that, that's always up for debate. That's a matchup-by-matchup thing. Coming into the year, I had said that you know it might end up being the Warriors and the, and the Bucks in the finals, in which case I don't know if I would expect the Warriors to repeat just because I think Giannis is that special, especially with a healthy Chris Middleton. Yep. But this team will be fine. They, they've sputtered out of the gate. Great teams do this from time to time. But uh, I, the one person I do look at that, that needs to step it up in order for them to, to reach back to where they were is Clay Thompson. He needs to be a step above where he is right now. I think that will happen, but it, it takes patience. I, I totally agree with you there, Colin. This Warriors team also had a little bit of drama over the offseason. Um, you know, they had a little TMZ snafu. So. A little blip. Got a little headliner in there. <laughs> a little, little, little uh, trending topic uh, popped out of their practice uh, for some a week apologies there. Were had. Uh, some, some statements were made. Had to be thrown around. Sent out there. So <laughs> basically, you look at that and, and what that did for their team chemistry, uh, not optimal, right? So uh, I totally understand this team needing a little bit of time to get on track. I do think they will get on track as well um you know i'm not even sure we'll take the time today to touch on these los angeles lakers three and ten as we said with the um the clippers and kings the lakers have a stretch coming up against the pistons spurs then the suns the spurs twice then the pacers they could be seven and twelve after this stretch if they just lock in and beat the pistons the spurs two games out of three lose to phoenix and beat indiana so Giving them a loss and assuming that they lose giving lose one of the three games to the Spurs, giving them a loss to Phoenix and one loss against San Antonio, the Lakers could be 7-12 and 12 in a couple games. They might get back on track. We're going to give them some time to do that, see how it goes. That will be it for us here today on Pick and Pod. For Colin Loughran, for Will Talent, I'm Chris Persiain. I'm thanking everyone for taking the time to tune in, listen to our takes around the association. Stay tuned to Pick and Pod for further analysis on this NBA season. Of course, it's a production of WFUV Sports, whose sports director is Bobby Jafferdini.